Hi, and welcome back to the Multifaceted Athlete with Coaching Lutz. I'm your host, Kelly Lutz. I am a USGA certified running and ultra running coach and certified strength and conditioning specialist. I am so excited to have you here today. We'll be talking all about running, aspects of running, strength training, and anything else that makes us humans who do sports. So let's dive right into this episode. I hope you love it. Hello, welcome back to another week of the Multifaceted Athlete. This week I have another guest on, but first a couple announcements from me on the Coaching Clutch side. So one, if you are local to the Denver Boulder area, I am organizing our first group trail run on August 20th. So if you're interested, you can sign up to get details in the show notes or message me on Instagram at Coaching Clutch and I'll give you some more info or just watch my Instagram for all the details. I'll post all about it there and to my email uh, followers, I will be sending out emails as well. Number two, for the first time in a while, I have some capacity to take on some new runners. So if you have been curious about working with me, I have space in my monthly check-in group or my customized plan only group. So yeah, reach out if you're interested. We can go from there. I also have, there's more information on my website, coachingclutch.com. And there's also some testimonials, details on the different levels of support, all of that. But if you have any questions, always reach out to me. And okay, what else? I'm always looking for new guests for the podcast. If you have anyone you want me to talk to, or if you want to come on and share your story or talk about a specific topic, I would love to have you on. So email me or DM me, kelly at coachingclutz.com or coachingclutz on Instagram. As always, I would love to have you on. So this week, I had the pleasure of talking to a health coach. She's also a runner. She's also a nurse practitioner. Her name is Elizabeth Knight. She is the owner of Flower Power Health, and we talked all about what health coaching is, where it fits within healthcare and run coaching. It's kind of in the middle, um, how runners can benefit from health coaching, the five pros every runner should have in their corner, building a relationship with your primary care provider, and just so much more. I think you're going to really like this conversation. And if you're like me and you're like, what the heck is health coaching? Then definitely take a listen. You're going to learn a lot. And Elizabeth is just such a joy to talk to. So without further ado, let's get into this week's interview. Welcome back to another week of the Multifaceted Athlete. I am here with another guest this week, and as always, I'm super excited for this conversation. So today I'm talking with Elizabeth Knight. She is a runner, certified integrative health coach who works with runners, owner of Flower Power Health, a practicing nurse practitioner, and has a PhD in nursing science. Elizabeth, welcome to the show. Thanks, Kelly. It's so nice to meet you. Yeah, you too. So We're going to talk all about health coaching today, but first let's talk a little bit about you. So tell me how you got into health coaching and how you got into ultra running, because I know you have done some ultras too. Yeah, well, not yet. I'm going to do my first ultra this fall. So (gasps) getting a little bit ahead of you, but um, yeah, so that's, 
on the agenda and peak training right now. Uh, but yeah, let me back up a little bit. So about me, um, I would say I'm maybe a little overzealous in the book learning and education sphere of things. So um, I went to school for nursing and I really developed a passion for marrying science and the more human connection angle of things. And that's really the place where nursing operates. And it turns out, so does coaching. And so we'll get to that. But um, initially I worked nights as an ICU nurse. And then eventually I went on to become a nurse practitioner. And I also got my PhD in nursing, which is a research degree, a science degree. And I really got into the science side of healthcare and I started focusing more on heart health, cardiac health, wellness. And so you can probably see how this is going. I had this shift from ICU into primary care and now into coaching. It's like I'm going down this voyage from the consequences of disease and now all the way to the other end of the spectrum into promoting health. And I'm here for that. This part is just so exciting to me. Um, so that's kind of my journey from how I got into healthcare and all the way how I got into being a coach. Um, in terms of running, I started running as an adult and I was never a competitive athlete as a kid. Um, when I was in nursing school, I got into running, really looking for some normalcy and some routine. It's such a crazy time of life, um, balancing the clinical and the schoolwork. And it's a lot. Um, mm -hmm. and as you know, nursing has, you know, just a really tough, um, kind of, uh, way of being sometimes it's, it's intense. It's person focused. It's a lot on, on the sort of soul in some ways. Mm -hmm. And there's this great, um, spiritual tradition in running. It's you think of the marathon monks, or you think of like, even in born to run, they talk about this, or if you've ever read, um, Murakami's book, what, what I talk about when I talk about running and it's very, it's sort of a healing space. And so I, I took it up when I was needing that and it kind of stuck, um, you know, when I was working in the ICU and when I went on and running just sort of became this constant in my life. And my, um, my twin sister, um, signed me up for my first ever race, um, way, way back in the day. And she kind of kicked my butt. It's like, she got me doing more hills and longer runs than I was used to and kind of lit this fire under me. And over the years too, it's created this really fun way for us to be together. Like she needed a runner for her Ragnar team. So we got to do that. And then, you know, I was running a, a big race and she came and put on a unicorn costume and cheered me on. And, Aww. you know, all of these things that have been fun ways for us to be together. And it's kind of stayed that way. And then, um, during the pandemic, you know, I think back to that time of just needing more trail therapy in a way, you know, more time outside, more time by myself, more things that felt really sort of solid and restorative when other things were just spinning. And then, you know, especially for those of us in healthcare, it's like, everybody's asking us as the pros for the answers. And we're saying, well, we don't have them. <laughs> you know, we have no answers. And on top of sort of being legitimately afraid for ourselves and our families, and there was just this space that I really needed to fill with something positive. And so that's where the ultra training started to slip into my brain and to say like, wow, you know, just the more time that I'm spending out here by myself, the better I feel and sort of wanting something to focus that. So yeah, I'll be doing, um, 50 K this fall. Um, which one are you doing? I'm doing the Perpetua Coast 50K out on the Oregon coast. So I'm here in Portland, Oregon and um, get out to the coast from time to time. And it's just a really special part of the country. It's a, this place where the beach meets the forest and it's a just incredible landscape. So I'm really looking forward to spending some time out there. Yeah, that'll be awesome. And I think what you were saying about like 
needing running during the pandemic has been true for a lot of people I've talked to, especially since, you know, none, we couldn't go to the gym. We couldn't really do anything except, you know, leave your house and go running if you wanted to do that. Um, Unless you were lucky enough, you know, to have weights at your house or whatever. But yeah, it seems like running was a grounding force for a lot of people during the pandemic. And I'm really impressed that especially as a nurse during the pandemic, you got hooked on wanting to start ultra running because I know, well, I don't know because I'm not a nurse, but I can imagine it was such a crazy time. And I, I bet it still is since we're, you know, it's still going on. <laughs> not as much as 2020. But yeah, that's an inspiring story, I think, especially just starting in adulthood. Absolutely. You know, when you talk about, you know, your show called the multifaceted athlete, that just strikes such a chord with me because we think about that, uh, you know, the, the coach, um, Chris Howd says we all went pro in something else. Right. And so to have running as part of our lives, uh, but not the thing is such a, um, a sort of a healthy way to have that forever to something we get to keep and not something that we burn through and then have to figure out the next thing. Yeah. And I feel like even if you are a pro runner, not that I know many, but that still isn't everything you are, you know, like you have other things in your life. Like you're still a multifaceted athlete and human. Uh, Some of us are just, we just have more things (laughs) than the pro runner. Um, Not in a good or bad way. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. So let's talk about health coaching. So can you tell the listeners what exactly is health coaching and how does it differ from running coaching and healthcare? Yeah, I love to talk about health coaching. So thank you for asking that question. So first, when I think about runners and health coaching, there are two types of runners who I think about who really benefit from health coaching. One is the group of people who come into running thinking, I really want to do this for my health. They don't need a performance-oriented training plan necessarily. They're like, I don't care what a fartlek is. What is that? I don't, it's not for me. But they really want to be healthy. They want to stay consistent. They want to do this in a sustainable, healthy way. And they want running to be sort of a gateway into a healthy lifestyle. So those people could really benefit from a health coach. And then the other is people who kind of come in and they say, well, I know how to train. I have a training plan. I just, I want to feel better and find those little edges where I can improve. And maybe they're getting these stupid little injuries all the time and they want to break out of that cycle. Or they want to sort of just get themselves leveled up a place from where they are. And it's not necessarily about a PR or winning their age group. It's about just, I know I've got another gear and I can't quite figure it out. So if you think about those two people, when we talk about what health coaching is and how it works, um, that's how this really works well for runners. So how health coaching differs from healthcare. So think about if you've ever gone to the doctor and your doctor maybe tells you, well, okay, everything generally looks okay, but your cholesterol maybe is trending a little bit higher than we'd like, or maybe your blood pressure would be, you know, 130 and we'd really like it to be 110. And so you really need to exercise more eat well and you know come back next year and maybe things will be a little bit better and you kind of look at that and you say okay and then you're in the car in the parking lot and you're like well uh all right what does that mean how do i do this how does this fit into my life what does exercise more mean what does eat better mean like should i sign up for a marathon or should i join a crossfit gym or should i start keto or what the heck am i supposed to do and 
you know, in the 10 minutes that you were there with your doctor, they really couldn't tell you that. And they really couldn't understand enough about you to answer that question, even if they had all of the information and in training, which they largely don't in primary care. And I can say that because I'm a primary care provider myself. That's what I do. And it's just, there's not time for it. There's not training for it. We don't, that's not part of what we do. Um, ideally, we, most of us would love to, but in the primary care setting, it's just not possible. So that's one of the places where a health coach can be really, really valuable. Mm-hmm. And then in another, maybe say you're basically feeling okay, but there's something that just feels a little bit off to you. Like maybe your digestion's a little bit off or you're feeling a little bit low energy or your sleep's just not quite right. And you're just not making any progress, even though you're doing all the things and checking all the boxes or you're getting injuries and you feel like you shouldn't be, you go to the doctor and they say, no, everything's fine. You know, your numbers look good. Just go out there, keep doing what you're doing. You're normal. And you're like, no, I can do better than this. And so those people could also really benefit from a health coach. And I think what happens is both of these kinds of people, they'll go home, they'll look stuff up on the internet, and it's basically impossible to figure out what's evidence-based, what's hot garbage, what might work for a 25-year-old guy, but not work for a 40-year-old woman. You know, uh, just there's so much and, and you can't sort through it. You just don't know, you know, where, who's going to get quote results from what program. And so a good health coach can listen to your specific needs, to your values and preferences. They can line that up with your health history. They can ask some really helpful questions to help you get clarity on exactly what it is that you need, where you're starting, where you actually want to go and what might help you go there. And so often when I work with clients, it's like they have tons of information. Maybe they have too much information, Mm -hmm. but sort of backing up and saying out loud where they're at right now and where they'd like to go and what they know works for them um, can really help them make some progress. So that's kind of the basics of how health coaching functions. You know, I could talk a lot more about what goes on in that space and how coaches are trained. And I could talk about this for, you know, three days, but that's, that's (laughs) probably a good place to start. Yeah, that's awesome. So it it sounds like you're kind of like the middleman between physicians and like a run coach like me um just kind of like translating not necessarily a diagnosis but maybe a diagnosis into like actionable items that the patient can do in order to get where to where they want to go yeah I think it's a combination of figuring out where you're starting figuring out where you want to go and then identifying steps that are meaningful and manageable, which I think is sometimes what's totally missing um, in that middle middle part. So you could say to somebody like, here's the plan that you need to follow. And on paper, it looks great. And then you try it for two weeks and you can't figure out why you're having trouble doing it and you're not making progress. And sometimes it's really, really simple stuff that you've got to figure out, but working through it with another human who's able to listen to you and ask you those questions to help you figure out what's in your way can, can be just really valuable. Yeah. I see that a lot with my runners who I coach with like generic plans. It's like, this plan is supposed to work. Why isn't it working for me? It's like, well, let's talk about you and your life and what's going on. So it sounds like you do pretty much the same thing, just in a different arena. 
Yeah, I think that's exactly right. When I work with athletes, I often start out with what's important to you. What does running mean to you? You know, tell me about the best athletic day you ever had. What did that feel like? And, you know, what are you looking for here? How does this fit into your life? How does it line up with your value system? And that can be a really powerful motivator and something we can come back to when somebody's sort of floundering around, well, I'm not really sure what I should do next. Yeah. So let's dive into how would someone find a health coach? Because before we started recording, you and I were talking about there are a lot of people who might call themselves health coaches in the social media space, and they're not necessarily certified. So if someone was like, oh, this sounds like something I could use, what should they look for in a health coach to make sure that they are getting the best possible coach? Yeah, that's a great question, Kelly, because you're absolutely right. This space is unregulated. It's not a licensed profession. So, you know, physicians or nurses or dietitians have to get licensed and there is a training program that's associated with eligibility to take a licensure exam and then registration through a state agency. And that does not exist for coaches. So it's, you know, you can call yourself a coach, you can hang out your shingle, no matter what. And so there's huge variability in whether how coaches might be trained. Um, some people who sell supplements go through a, you know, a weekend seminar for their program and they get called a health coach at the end of that. And then some people go through, you know, a year long post-university training program with supervised practice hours and a certification exam. And so to know what the difference is, is really, really challenging. So, you know, first of all, I think you can just ask that question. What is your training? Uh, there is a national board that certifies health coaches through an exam. And, and that's something you can look for in national board certification, um, but it's not required to call yourself a health coach. And there's nobody who who's going to, you know, come look you up if you say I'm a health coach and I don't have that certification. So um, that's one thing you can look for is, is a certification from a, an outside third party, like the National Board of Health and Wellness Coaches. You can ask what training program they went to. I, for instance, went to my health coach training at the Center for Integrative Medicine at the University of Arizona. Um, which is, uh, you know, pretty well-established program. And there are several that are like that, um, that are sort of been around for a long time and have qualified faculty. So you can ask about that training. And then, you know, what other credentials does that person have? What other specialty do they have? Um, there are some who, some health coaches who really focus on nutrition, who might also have a college degree in nutrition, or who might also be a registered dietitian in addition to being a coach. Like me, I'm also a nurse practitioner in addition to being a coach. And I have an expertise in cardiovascular health and in working with athletes. And so if you're looking for a coach, I would ask them specifically about their training and experience to know, you know, what, what that looks like, whether it's a weekend seminar, sign up to do it that way, or whether it's a really a rigorous training program, because coaches um, really are can be trained in behavior change theories. They can be trained in specific integrative health models. They can be trained in nothing at all. So really just know what you're getting. And the best way to do that is to ask. Yeah. And a lot of coaches will usually have it listed. Like if they have a website and they're like about me, they'll usually list it there. If you're listening, you're looking for a coach, be thorough in who you're looking for and just make sure they have you know, the credentials you're looking for and not just like a big social media following. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's exactly right. And ask for referrals from actual human beings who you know mm -hmm. as well. I think it's really easy, to, again, to say, oh, this person has you know 10,000 followers. That means they're popular. But that means that they're good at Instagram or it doesn't necessarily uh -huh. mean that they're good at coaching. But if you, for instance, are working with a run coach or you bought a plan and you say, well, what I actually need is maybe a little bit broader than this because I need to work on my sleep and I need to work on my nutrition. And you can maybe ask the coach who you bought the plan for if they know somebody and they may. A lot of times coaches have really good networks with one another. Um, and sometimes physicians offices as well can refer you to a health coach. Oh, I didn't know that was possible. Yeah, absolutely. It depends on um, the situation where you're, where you're going, but yeah, there are some practices that have coaches affiliated with them as well. Oh, that's awesome. That's good to know. Let's see, which direction do I want to go? I have so many questions. <laughs> um, I read one of your articles earlier today about what or the five pros that every runner should know. And the first one is primary care. Um, so can we talk a little bit about that list and like why each is important? So first was primary care, then physical therapist, then massage therapist, then nutritionist, and then coach. Yeah, I think, you know, primary care is a great place to start whenever you're talking about health and illness concerns. I really recommend that people have a primary care provider. And I think oftentimes people maybe don't, especially people who think of themselves as young and healthy, you might say like, oh, I can get this from urgent care or, you know, I've got a sore throat, so I'm just going to run down to CVS or whatever it is. But if you have health insurance, if you're in the U.S. and you have health insurance, you can typically establish with a primary care provider who takes your insurance. And then you have a relationship with that person. And so it's not just, can you fix my problem of the week? It's a little bit of a longer term view of your health. And that can be so, so helpful. If you're a, a runner, if you're a recreational athlete, you may have things that come up from time to time, like you get little injuries, or maybe you're not feeling that well. And you want the person who you're seeing for medical care to understand you and your specific needs. And sometimes that's a conversation about values too. And so, you know, if you go in and you say, well, my knee hurts and your doctor, your primary care provider might say to you, well, stop running and your knee won't hurt anymore. And you might say, well, that's not really an option for me. And then you're both frustrated because, you know, your, your doctor's saying, well, you're just not following my advice. And you're saying like, well, you're not helping me. And so <laughs> if you develop a relationship with that primary care provider, whether it's a physician or a nurse practitioner or somebody else who can fill that role, depending on where you live, um, then you can start to understand, you know, what you're both, where you're both coming from. And you might be able to say, well, my primary priority is really to be able to stay active and to get back running as soon as possible. And I'm not so much worried if I have a little bit of pain from time to time, but I want to make sure I'm not doing permanent damage to my body. And your primary care provider might be able to say, okay, well, in that case, my approach might be a little bit different than if your primary concern was stop this from hurting right now. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's one reason that a primary care provider is really important. And then, you know, just for your basic sort of health maintenance kind of stuff, you know, uh, runners typically are generally healthy people, but there are common things that can come up. Like for instance, iron deficiency, super common in runners. You maybe talked about this with your nutritionist when you had them on the show and, um, that's something that you could work with your primary care provider on, you know, um, check those labs, do those, those things. Or if you've had a, a major illness or you've had health changes and you want some basic screening around, you know, how are your cholesterol levels? Do you have any concerns around, you know, cardiac health or musculoskeletal health that you really ought to talk about before you launch into say ultra training? And that would be the person who you could talk about that too as well. So that's a really another great reason to have a relationship with your primary care provider. 
Yeah, I really liked what you said about creating a relationship. I've never really thought about my primary care physician in that way. And I'm one of those people that I was like, I'm healthy. I don't need one of these. I can just, I'll go when I'm sick, you know? Um, But it's very similar to running coaching. Like I have a relationship with my runners. I'm not just here when you want to run a race. I mean, obviously I'm there for that, but for everything else in your life and with running um, and the best way to coach someone is to know them well. And I just never thought about it within the medical field too. And it makes so much sense because I feel like every runner, if you've been injured, you've gone to the doctor and they've been like, stop running. And you're like, that is not applicable to me. (laughs) So what you're saying is I think super helpful. And especially in those frustrating moments when you're like, I just want to be able to run. And your doctor's like, well, if you stop running, you won't be in pain anymore. And it's like, those things are not, they're not getting us to the same place where we want to be. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, you're totally missing each other with what your goals are for that encounter. And so getting it all out on the table and the longer that you know, somebody, the easier it is to sort of start from that place of understanding. Yeah. And then the other pros that you had listed in that list, um, physical therapists, massage therapists, nutritionists, I feel like those are such good resources for runners, um, especially physical therapists. I love my physical therapist. Shout out to Sarah. She was on, I don't know which episode it was, but a couple interviews back. Um, but she reminds me of a lot of what you're saying because every visit when I go to her, her first question for me is, what's going on? And then what do you want to get out of this visit? Which like that kind of communication, I think is very important. And I know you noted that in your article as well. Um, So can you describe a little bit more about why like a physical therapist and massage therapist are important for runners specifically? Yeah, absolutely. So physical therapy, you know, massage therapy or other types of body work and nutrition, I think falls into this category as well as these are things that our bodies function at a baseline, you know, no matter what we're doing. And it's easy for little things that don't cause problems when we're sort of going about our day-to-day life to accumulate over time and eventually turn into big problems. And, you know, to take physical therapy as an example, you might have a tiny little imbalance in a way that you move. And it will never cause a problem for most people unless you decide, hey, I'm going to go out and run 26.2 miles. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, 20 miles into that, you feel some pain in your hip. And, you know, why is that happening? Why is this happening to me? You know, runners are always saying that kind of thing. Why me? Mm -hmm. And uh, if you have a physical therapist kind of in your corner and you make contact and you kind of have some work with that person before you're like deep in the pain cave, you know, before something really terrible has happened before you're on the couch on crutches for six weeks. If you're able to work with a physical therapist, who's really knowledgeable about runners, um, sort of more proactively and preventively, then that can stop you from winding up in those situations by identifying what might be going on in your body. And, you know, with massage, it's the same kind of thing. It's like, you can, have little things that are going on beneath the surface and you might not really be super duper aware of them. I mean, sometimes you are, sometimes you say, yeah, I have a knot the size of a softball in my quad and I need you to help me untangle it. But sometimes there's something else going on. Is there, you know, your spine is not, just not quite straight because you've got something, you know, adhesed and tensed on one side and you couldn't ever figure out what it was. And so just having that sort of 
baseline, having somebody work with you on a semi-regular basis, even if it's only a couple times a year can help you um, prevent those things from turning into bigger problems down the road. And also just increase awareness of you and your body so that you can start to be, you know, more proactive, even by yourself at home about dealing with those kinds of things. Yeah. So a lot of what I'm hearing for your primary care, your physical therapist, massage therapist, nutritionist, coaching, everything is you want to seek out this help before you have like a major issue. And I feel like that can be a huge misconception that like, oh, I shouldn't go to the doctor until, you know, something really hurts or I'm sick, or I shouldn't go to physical therapy until, you know, I have a stress fracture or (laughs) whatever it may be. But what I'm hearing from you is it's best to go in at any time and in a way to prevent bigger issues in the future and just build those working relationships. Yes, I think that's 100% true that you don't have to wait until things are bad before you start making them better. And that's actually the space that coaching really operates in too, is it's like, we're not looking for what's broken, we're looking for what's working, and how can we do more of that. And so when we say, you know, why would I go in and spend my time and money on, you know, physical therapy or a doctor's appointment when everything is fine right now. And if you kind of ask yourself, well, why am I into running in the first place? You know, what do I want out of this? What is it giving me? Uh, Then you can sort of say, well, I want to keep this forever, right? I don't want to go through that period of six weeks on the couch being non-weight bearing if I don't have to. Um, I want this to be part of my life. I want this because it gives me joy, because it gives me time with my sister, because it gives me stress relief, whatever it is. And if you can connect with that why, and you can do it really firmly, then making those decisions about, so here's why I'm going to go see the physical therapist right now, even when I have just this little twinge and not a big deal because I want to keep those things. Yeah, I love that reframing of versus looking for what's broken, looking for what's working to do more of it. And I think I think we can all take that into like all aspects of our life. Like what I I feel like this comes up in the conversations about like what sparks joy for you? You need to do more of that versus like what empties your cup? Do less of that. Obviously, only if that's possible, because in some cases it might be like your career, which you can't really (laughs) do less of. Um, But you'd be surprised. Sometimes you can. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. It all depends on the situation. Well, and sometimes that's, that's a reframing as well, is that you might look, take a sort of a longer view and say, am I in a job that I hate that isn't serving me? And maybe the answer isn't, well, then I quit. But maybe the answer is, let me explore what it might look like for me over five years if I want it to look different than it looks right now. What, what might I need to start doing now that will make me five years down the line happier? So taking the big picture and breaking it into like small little steps towards that big picture. Yeah. That's something else we do a lot in coaching too, is say like, look, you know, take a long view and then say, well, if I wanted to go there, how might I start? Yeah. So with coaching, can you talk a little bit about like the most common, I don't want to say issues, most common, what's a different word for issues? conundrums, maybe that Mm. works, (laughs) that your runners come to you with? 
Yeah, that's a great question too, because I would say a lot of the time people come to me with a specific question and then the thing that they figure out that they really need or want to work on is something completely different from that. So yeah, so people might come to me for coaching because they're saying like, well, I need to figure out how to, um, how to get my nutrition to support my running better. And I say, great, you know, we can, we can work on that. And what we do is we go through some exercise exercises where we talk about values and we talk about goals and understanding what you're trying to get out of your running. And then I do an assessment of what I call the seven core areas of athletic health. And oftentimes people are really clear. They say, oh, well, my area that I want to work on is nutrition or my area that I want to work on is, you know, mobility. And as we go through the seven areas, it turns out that maybe the most pressing area uh, for them to work on is in fact, not what they thought it was going to be. So those seven core areas are nutrition, sleep, movement, And those are the ones that everyone's like, yeah, I get it. And then we get into the other stuff and people are like, I didn't ever think about this as part of running. And those are relationships, their purpose, their environment and resilience or stress management. And, um, that one is a big one. That last one, resilience or stress management. I think that people don't think about as part of their overall athletic health, or they don't think about how it might relate to their running, but it oftentimes that one really winds up being at the root of it in a way, you know, I think you talk about this in coaching where the body doesn't really differentiate between like your job stress and your training stress. Mm-hmm. Um, but we don't always think about it that way. And we say like, well, you know, I, I didn't change anything and my, my running didn't get harder, but for some reason I'm just feeling really run down. And it's like, well, what's going on in the rest of your life? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And I think during the pandemic, this has been a huge one for people that there's just this sort of baseline level of stress in the background that didn't always exist. And whether it, that's from, you know, just the worry of health or family stuff, or you maybe lost somebody or your employment situation changed, or you've been like really stressed out about the political situation or something else is going on mm-hmm. that you didn't associate as what's leading you to sort of feel more run down or get injured or just not, you know, be at your best. And so um, that one, I think tends to sort of rear its head when people go through this exercise of looking at those core areas and sort of saying, well, how am I actually doing here? Mm-hmm. Um, and so sometimes we wind up saying like, well, the thing that you might start with is like uh, taking up a, a meditation practice, for instance, you know, I think that's a really easy one where people say like, Oh, so five minutes of headspace a day, you know, it's not earth shattering. It's not like a huge shift to your life. And somehow that's going to impact my running. And then they do it for a little bit and they're like, Oh, you know what? I feel better. Yeah. The stress thing is huge. And I feel like, like you were mentioning with the pandemic, just having that higher baseline stress, it, it can be hard to differentiate. Like, am I stressed or Is it just, you know, it's hard to tell if you are stressed when the baseline is so much higher. Um, I actually, I got injured twice in the first year of the pandemic. One was right after March, 2020, probably because of, you know, everything that happened. And then the second one was right the week of the 2020 election. And each time I like didn't put the pieces together and then looking back and I was like, Oh, (laughs) obviously, Mm -hmm. like both of those situations were so stressful. Um, And I worked with a nutritionist in 2021. And she was like, what do you do for stress management that is not an active 
thing, like running, lifting, climbing. And I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. You're like, no, you don't understand. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, what do you mean? (laughs) Um, so yeah, the stressing is super important and I never really thought about it as something as little as, you know, five minutes of the meditation, like you were saying, like the stress relief can be a super small part of your day that can help so much. And I think that's a super important message for everyone. Yeah. You know, you think about if you coach people in running, they might make tiny little changes to their routine that would have a huge impact on their performance. Mm -hmm. And that happens in all of the areas. It doesn't have to be big changes. And oftentimes it isn't big changes. Oftentimes it's making small changes are things that you can actually do Mm -hmm. is, is so important. And people will come in and say, Oh, well, so maybe what I should do is uh, change my schedule so that I'm getting up at five every day so that I can fit this in. And then I'm going to, you know, change my diet so that I don't eat, you know, any dairy anymore. And then I'm going to, and it's like, sometimes it's like, well, what's the one thing that you could do like in the next three days that might make you feel just a little bit better. Like what could you do right now? And that sometimes is the magic thing, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, it seems like almost nothing. And like, you know, I said with the meditation, maybe it's five minutes of headspace, or maybe it's like eating one additional vegetable every day, or maybe it's like you keep that lacrosse ball under your desk and you roll out your feet you know, when you're on the phone for 10 minutes every day, it's not something huge, right? You're not making a huge change to your life. It's like, what's the one lever you can pull right now that might move the needle just a little bit. And oftentimes that's enough. Yeah. And I love that you said like, what's the one change you can make versus obviously there's always many things we can change, but if you do try to change multiple things, one, it's it's harder to stick with it. And two, then it's hard to know like which ones are working and which ones are just, they're not really making a difference. Um, and that's like, I know you're science-based too, like the scientific mathematical side of my brain is like, you can, can only change one thing. So you know what's actually helping and what's hurting. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. Can you isolate that effect? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And is it something that you can do? You know, there's some really good research that was comparing different um, diets or different eating styles over time and say, which one of these is best? And I think the question here was around weight loss, but the mm-hmm. point was that there was no difference really among the diets. It was just in how well people stuck to them. Yep. And so that is really telling to me, right. That there's a million things you could change. There's, you know, you could do really anything to, to make yourself better at, as a runner. And it's not that you have to do all of them. It's that you have to do one that you can do something that is manageable for you. Yeah. And I feel like that's really important, especially with social media we see like I feel like lately I'm seeing a lot of like the people waking up at 5 a.m like you were saying and fitting you know four hours of stuff before their nine to five into their day and and like for some people that's great and that works well for you and some people that would not work at all and it's just been I feel like it's been idolized in some way and I feel like there's a lot of aspects of our life like that when you're like, oh, I should wake up early. I should eat, you know, three vegetables at every meal. I should do all these things. And it's like, but can you do that? Are you going to stick with it? Is Will it work for you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what I often say to people when they're first starting out is approach yourself 
with kindness and curiosity. So you don't have to force yourself to do something that's really, really hard for you. You have to say, hey, where am I at? And what sounds doable to me? And let that be enough for now and see. I love that. I feel like everyone needs to approach running in that way too. (laughs) Yeah, with kindness and curiosity. Yeah, and not no comparison to other people. I know it's so hard. It's like we go into, you know, for some people running is a competitive sport. And so there's comparison that's built into that. Mm -hmm. But I think for a lot of people, it's not really, you know, most of us aren't winning the race. Like, nope. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I have a a coworker and she always says to me when I come back for race, did you win? (laughs) I was like, nope. Uh, And that's not, you know, that's not the goal. That's, you know, when it goes back to what is it that you want to get from your running? What are you asking from your running? And usually it's not that you cross the finish line before everybody else. Mm -hmm. Very few people and, you know, good job, but that's not most of us. Yeah. I mean, there can only be one winner per race and there are only so many races. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, So is that kind of what the purpose area of the seven core areas is about? Yeah, it is. It's about what is meaningful to you. And maybe I might even ask this question without it involving running at first. It's like Mm -hmm. to say, what makes you, you, what are you proud of as a human? You know, if you look back on your life, okay. So, so if I were to ask you this, I would say, so think about 80 year old Kelly, Mm -hmm. right. And she's looking back on Kelly's life what was the awesome part of it? What was the legacy? What was the thing that you're like, wow, I did that. And then you sort of can use that to say, oh, that's what I need to cultivate. That's what I need to chase. That's what I'm going to live up to with the time that I have here. Do you know um, the poet, Mary Oliver, the the famous line that she has, what is it you want to do with your one wild and precious life? Yeah. That's such a great question. I feel like I have never thought about that and like I have goosebumps thinking about it (laughs) um but I feel like that's a really good exercise just for with your running with anything athletic with you know your career with your pretty much all of these other areas you've been talking about your relationships like it's kind of a way of like is your life what you want it to be and is it serving you and if not then what do you need to change in order to get to what you want yeah yeah that's exactly right yeah and I I I feel like I'm mentioning social media a lot but it's just it's so prevalent in our society and I see maybe not a lot but sometimes people and I've had conversations where runners are like I have to run this race even though I'm not excited about it anymore because like I've told my followers that I'm doing this race that I'm training for this So I think this purpose question that you ask people is really good for that. It's like, are you doing it for the external validation or is it something that you truly want to spend your time doing? And then the second part of that is if it's not something you want to spend your time doing, like it's okay to change your mind and pivot in a different direction. And like, who cares what the people on social media think? Like your closest circle, they're not going to care whether you change your mind or not. They just they likely hopefully want you to just be happy and pursue what you want to pursue. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. And, you know, we, we talk a lot about the 
benefits of running and exercise on mental health. And there's a, you know, a really robust body of research that shows that running can reduce symptoms of anxiety, that it can reduce symptoms of depression, this you know, clinical research that really documents this really well. But I think you're right that people fall into this area and then social media makes it so much sort of magnified mm -hmm. that, you know, it, it becomes less about getting to the place where it feels good and it starts to become some way of judging ourselves and, you know, holding ourselves up against expectations that really maybe don't have anything to do with our health and well-being. And we can lose sight of that. And it's so easy to get sort of sucked down that rabbit hole. Um, and that, yes, whatever we can do to sort of maintain a little bit of perspective around that or to reframe and say like, oh, you know what, all of those people who I announced this to, I actually don't know any of them and I don't give a hoot what they think. And, you know, can I actually separate myself from that sort of mm -hmm. sticky place of like, I'm supposed to care about this or it, it matters or it, that's who I am. And it's like, no, maybe it's not. Why did I get into this in the first place? And, you know, a lot of the people who I work with, the reason was because they wanted to feel better mm -hmm. or because they wanted to protect their future self. They said, oh my gosh, my, you know, my grandmother died of heart disease. And my doctor just told me that my blood pressure is too high and I want to be active so that I can not, you know, be in that same situation. And then suddenly here they are saying like, well, I told my followers I was running this race. And it's like, wait a minute, back up, slow down. <laughs> yeah. And I think, especially with those situations where um, you have told your followers, you're running a certain race. I think it can be very helpful for your following to see you change your mind and to see you like, people always say like live in alignment with, you know, like your vibration, what you value and everything. And just living in an authentic way and like showing that on social media versus caring about what people actually think about like this one decision that you made, you know? Yeah, that's such an important point, Kelly. And it's seeing people publicly be real about it, I think mm -hmm. is, is helpful. It's like part of the solution to that problem in some ways. Yeah. Um, so let's talk a little bit about your business. Um, I'm curious how you came up with the name Flower Power Health. Yeah, you know, it's a, it's a great question and, and I don't have a, a super fun story about it other than that I love being outside and I think that there's just this immense healing power in nature and, you know, if you want to get nerdy about it, there's lots of research about that too and there's very many different traditions in the world that support that as well, that being outside is good for us and that, um, you know, for me, just having uh, appreciation of the power of the, of the natural, um, it sort of inspired me when, when I was launching my business. So that's where flower power came from. And, um, in flower power, I do coaching and I work with athletes a lot. I work with other people who have health needs and questions and concerns as well. And in addition to doing this type of coaching, like we were talking about here, I also do more sort of education and advising. And so for some people, they need help around how do I engage with the medical system. And, you know, I went to a doctor's appointment and I left feeling worse than when I got there and I didn't get the information that I needed. And they told me what to do, but I didn't understand it. And I was like too shy to ask my questions because the doctor was running out the door in the middle of what I felt like was the beginning of the visit. And I just don't know what to do next. And people need support in that situation. Our healthcare system is in like a really precarious place right now where people aren't necessarily feeling super heard. And I think this happens especially to 
um, women, it happens to trans people, it happens to non-binary people a lot is just not being sort of appreciated and heard and listened to in that space. And they can feel really, really not great. Mm-hmm. Um, and that oftentimes people need some, some support in figuring out how to approach the system and figuring out what do I say to get this to go my way or to talk it through with somebody say, here's what they told me. And I don't really understand what to do next. And so, um, I work with people in that context as well, which is a little bit different from coaching. Coaching tends to be really, really client driven. And where do you want to go and what are your hopes and dreams? And this is like a little bit more system driven, but it's also a huge need. Yeah, it definitely is. There have been a couple of times after doctor appointments, whether it's like just my primary care or a specialist because I sprained my ankle or whatever, where I was like, I didn't ask what I needed. I didn't know what to say, just like you were saying. So I think that's a great resource. And especially for, I know, like you were mentioning, women, trans, non-binary are usually, maybe not usually, but from all the stories I've heard, usually less listened to than other <laughs> groups. Um, so I think having a resource like you is very helpful in that situation. And I love that you are very explicit in your business about that you want to be inclusive and help anyone, anywhere, no matter what. And I think we need more of that in this world. Yeah, we sure do. Uh, you know, in my primary care practice, I work at a college health clinic and we do a lot of gender affirming care in that context. And it is such a huge and powerful part of what I do. And, you know, I think that it's becoming more accessible in other spaces as well, but it's not the norm in a lot of places still for healthcare to be um, accepting of, you know, diverse identities, whether that's gender or, or something else. And that the more that, you know, professionals, whoever we are, whether it's coaches or healthcare providers or whoever you are to be more explicitly inclusive, the better it is because when people see that they say, okay, this is available to me when they might otherwise not feel that way. Yeah. That's something I've realized recently. Um, I primarily work with women but also work with you know female presenting and non-binary folk but I never explicitly said it anywhere um so I've been trying to like change it to make it more clear that I'm inclusive to those groups not just you know biologically born women like myself (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah Um, we might call that assigned female at birth yeah oh assigned female at birth you can learn something every day yeah um so It's been, I feel like the world hopefully is moving more towards in that direction where it's like making it explicitly known that you are inclusive for certain groups. Um, But I think it's very awesome that you seem to be a little ahead of the curve or maybe I'm just behind the curve. No, I don't think you're behind the curve at all. I think that every decision that you make as a coach and as a business owner that acknowledges and welcomes, uh, you know, more diversity is positive and you're doing that. So you're, you're definitely on the curve. I have one more question for you, kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier with stress management and being a nurse practitioner, how have you personally, like, I don't like the word balance, but how have you dealt with ultra running training and the stress of your job um, during the pandemic and obviously still today. Yeah, for me, you know, I think that the the running is something that 
actually brings me that balance. And so, um, to have time when I can be really, really off from work is Mm -hmm. the thing that I think saves me. And, you know, when I walk out the doors of that clinic, it's really easy to bring with me sort of in my brain, everything that happened that day. And like, oh my gosh, you know, we had, you know, so many cases or this person was really ill, or this person was angry with me because things didn't go their way. Or I maybe didn't do the best job, you know, that I could have on this particular encounter. And it's so easy to bring that stuff with you. And, you know, no matter what your job is, but Mm -hmm. especially when you have a sort of a person intensive service focused kind of job, where you feel like you have this duty to other people to just like let it go over and over in your brain and there's nothing quite like you know a long trail run to turn that down Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, you know it's like you can't really be focused too much on all of the background noise when you're like well am I going to make it to the top Um, so that's been, I think, uh, my, my sort of saving grace in a way. And then, you know, this is something that comes up with my clients all the time. And it's something that I do for myself. So just take some planning, right? And it's like, when your schedule is busy, that's when I think you benefit the most from saying like, well, if I'm doing long runs this week, I really have to make sure my nutrition is dialed in and I don't work on Saturdays. So Saturday I have to do some meal prep and that's the way it goes because that's what I want to do. And Mm -hmm. I know I'm going to get out for a run before work on Tuesday morning. And so if I don't have breakfast packed up on Monday night, then I'm not going to eat and it's not going to go well. So sort of thinking through things in that way and doing just that little bit of prep, Um, you know, it works for the people who I work with and I sometimes have to take my own medicine on that. Yeah. Don't we all? So it sounds like the things that help in terms of like preparation and everything, it all ties back to what you value, which we all just need that constant reminder. Like, yeah, we don't like doing certain things. Like I don't like waking up at 5am sometimes, but Sometimes I have to get my run in before I start working or, you know, I want to go to a trail that is a little farther away and it's going to be a hundred degrees. And it's, it's all about finding what you actually care about and what you want to do and then taking the steps to make it happen. Yeah, it sure is. And, you know, I, I keep little signs in my workspace that have my core values written down on them. They say love, they say service, they say beauty, they say strength. Um, you know, what, what those things are for you, it you know, doesn't matter what they are for me, but to be able to have that visual reminder to myself sometimes really helps me when I am, you know, in those moments and everybody has those moments, right. When you're like, that is the last thing I want to do. Mm-hmm. And to say, is it though, or you know, is it actually that I'm just, you know, throwing a mini tantrum and I'm going to get over it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The mini tantrums, we all know them well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I say sometimes we, uh, we just have to remind ourselves your brain can act like a toddler sometimes and you can treat your brain like a toddler. And if your brain says, I don't want to, then you can just keep saying why, you know, why? And that will always sort of rise to the surface and you'll eventually be able to say, oh, I know why. Oh. That is a good method. I've never tried that. I'm going to gonna take that little nugget from this conversation. <laughs> yeah, just ask why. How, where can everyone find you if they want to follow you or reach out for more? Yes, thank you. So you can find me at my website. It's just flowerpower.health. 
And you can also find me on Instagram. It's again, it's flowerpower.help. And so that's a great place to find me. If you go to my website, you can sign up for my newsletter. I send out a newsletter about once a month and it's just little tidbits. It's little stories and it's little tips. It's a great place to sort of connect with some community. And I like on my Instagram as well to have a a combination of kind of fun stuff and hopefully informative as well, um, coming from both my coaching skills, but also my science background. So give me a follow over there and, uh, yeah, thank you so much for asking. Yeah. And I'll link all of that in the show notes. So if you're listening and you're like, I can't remember that, just go to the show notes and click on it. I'll take you right to Elizabeth's page. And thank you so much for being here today, Elizabeth. This was a great conversation. Yeah. It's been so fun, Kelly. That's a wrap on this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening to this. If you like this podcast, please rate, subscribe, review everything you do for podcasts wherever you listen to them. It helps me out immensely and helps other people find the show and just spread my message. And if you haven't already, connect with me on Instagram or TikTok at Coaching Klutz. You can also find me at my website, coachingklutz.com, if you're looking for my coaching services or any of my running programs. And I will talk to you all next time.